and welcome everybody to another episode of Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show. I'm your host, Sig Daddy, and it is the week in review for January 17th, 2020. Before I get started, I'd like to address one thing, and that is Soul Man Rocky Johnson's passing. Soul Man Rocky Johnson was one half of the first ever African-American WWE World Tag Team Champions. And I just like to send my prayers out to The Rock, uh, Dwayne Johnson, and his family as they go through this tough time. Also, before I get started, let's address a couple bits of news that came out this week. So, first off, Ring of Honor. He signs a contract, Marty Skrull does, to become the head booker. And that was that news broke by PW, Insta, PW Insider, and uh, he's going to replace Hunter Delirious Johnston as the man that's in charge of booking. And his contract is supposedly, according to the Wrestling Observer's Dave Meltzer, the largest contract in Ring of Honor history. So, and. Uh, That's interesting, to say the least. And he was also allowed to take uh, other bookings with with uh, other independents or whatever. He's allowed to take outside bookings. And he's uh, Ryan Satin mentioned that he's trying to Marty's going to try to help strengthen the relationships, well, Ring of Honor's relationships with NWA and NJ New Japan. And maybe some start one with AEW. That'd be nice to see. I'd really like to see that one. Uh, but it is, I think this is a good news for Ring of Honor. They keep one of their they keep their biggest name around, which they desperately need right now. And he's going to be a part of the creative team. So it should be interesting. I think it was a good thing for Ring of Honor to keep him around. Also, in new other news, Mercedes Martinez, one of the biggest uh, names, women wrestler, women's wrestlers on the independent circuit, circuit, and she has signed with WWE, according to SoCal Uncensored. She also just appeared pretty dang quickly on NXT in that battle royal this uh last Wednesday. So she's already around. She's probably gonna be a big player in NXT or WWE, which whatever they try to do. I'd I'd try to honestly get her on the main roster as soon as possible because the women's division in both on both Raw and SmackDown are lacking depth at this point. But a good really good signing by WWE. Maybe I think a little late on it, but hey, it's better late than never. But let's get this thing rolling. Monday Night Raw this week. I missed the first portion of the Drew McIntyre AJ Styles match, but missed actually the large portion of it. But I saw late, I really liked uh, late Styles hit Orton with a draping DDT. Orton then hits Styles with Styles Clash. They used their own moves on each other, Orton and Styles did. Styles with a roll-up, Orton kicks out of RKO, well, kicks out, hits an RKO on Styles, and then Drew McIntyre, very opportunistic with the Claymore kick and pins Styles. I thought this was fun for what I got to see of it the last four or five minutes. 
I enjoyed it. Drew McIntyre winning. That's the right move because it's get building his momentum up as he's getting towards the Royal Rumble. We still we still are not sure if he's a heel or a face. It seems like they're trying to get him to be more of a face and or kind of just a, a tweener in that. And then Rollins with AOP in the back saying it would behoove anyone to be with us. Nobody will stop us. This is unstoppable. Destiny of Monday Night Raw. We must impose our will. Show them what happens when you don't embrace the vision of the Monday Night Messiah. And they're addressing for the fist fight that is to happen later on that evening. After that, we get Ricochet versus Mojo Rawley. It was an all right match. Um, Late in the match. Well, most of the match, Mojo works Ricochet over with strikes and uh, splash. Mojo dominates the large portion of this. Mojo caught Ricochet after a springboard and goes for his finisher, gets reversed, hits his recoil, and then a 6.30 for the win. It wasn't bad, and this also just giving Ricochet some momentum as he's heading towards the Royal Rumble here in a few weeks. We get Street Profits backstage kind of giving their usual spiel, kind of running through everything. wasn't bad. And then we get Charlotte Flair versus Sarah Logan. I don't understand why we had this match again. I didn't see it necessary. It's pretty much the same thing we saw last week, except the match gets started this time. Flair gets it done pretty quickly. She hits a boot. They fight on the outside till a count of eight. Flair hits her face, uh, her backbreaker face breaker combo onto the turnbuckle. Figure eight, game over. And this, honestly, I thought this this was not very good because it just I don't think it did anything for either person, in my opinion. Uh, Joe and KO, Big Show backstage to talk about their fight. And KO, he's all worried about the rules. And then we get Brock out with Paul Heyman. This is a pretty long segment. Uh, Heyman at one time makes fun of the fans with the southern accent. Telling fans his client doesn't suck. They almost leave at one time. And then... Heyman also says, Spoilers all come to life because Brock executes them. And then he's saying Brock will dominate the Royal Rumble. And 24-7 champion R-Truth shows up and interrupts him. And says his his, uh, childhood hero John Cena taught him to never give up. R-Truth enters himself in the Royal Rumble, and then very quickly later on, he does not enter himself because he thought Heyman was in the Royal Rumble and not Brock Lesnar. I thought this was pretty funny, and he says he told Brock at one time he doesn't want to be taken to Sioux Falls City. (laughs) Great stuff from Truth here. Brock and him actually have pretty good chemistry back and forth. Brock's facials were really good in this, and... He asks Brock what's up. Brock then clotheslines him and then F5s him, throws his title back at him. Brock gets on the mic and says, that's what's up. Hilarious. Really good segment. I thought it went a little bit too long, but it was pretty enjoyable with R-Truth and Heyman's banter and then Brock at the end. After the commercial break, Mojo Raleigh pins R-Truth to become 24-7 champion. I'm not very interested in that, but oh well. 
And then we get a video with Charlie catching up with Lashley and Lana earlier today. They're asking them about their wedding. They couldn't believe what went wrong. And their New Year's resolution is one, to realize everyone is envious and jealous of their love. And then two, it's to crush Rusev. Up next, we got Lana and Lashley with Lana to take on Rusev. And at first, I really thought Liv was supposed to be ringside in this match. She doesn't show up till later in this match. I was not, this wasn't really that great. Uh, Late in the match, Lashley hits a German. Rusev no sells it, hits his Machka kick, goes for the accolade. Lashley then takes out the knee. Double clothesline, both men down. Liv Morgan finally conveniently shows up. Stare down with Lana. Liv dares her, and then Lana throws a drink at her. And then Lana launches Liv Morgan into the ringside barrier. Lashley, while that's going on, hits a spear and gets the win. This is all setting up a two-on-two intergender tag team match, which I I didn't really care to. I don't really care about, but okay. And Rusev still looks like a loser in this situation. I don't. I I don't even know if he. I can't even remember if he got a win over Lashley. I, I just the payoff to this is a two-on-two tag match. It's kind of lame. Uh, we get Charlie with Lana. Says Liv Morgan is a big issue, right, bigger issue right now. Lana declares Bobby and Lana versus Liv and Rusev. Bobby he ain't happy about it. And then we get a we find out Ray and Andrade next week in a ladder match. Then we get Schreiber with Zelina and Andrade. They're talking about how Ray stole his mask back and the U.S. title. They're gonna they have to file charges. Then Zelina says he's all a disgrace to all Latinos and a bad example for his children. And then Ray with Charlie to get a reaction, and Andrade gets he says pretty much says Andrade gets away with everything and says his bad example is a joke. Talking about how he tries to injure Humberto, and he's willing to sacrifice. For the U.S. Championship, and he accepts the consequences. He's going to take back the U.S. Championship. More importantly, for Andrade, we get the third match between Buddy Murphy and Alistair Black, and I, this was a very another good, really good match between these two. Always, they they always deliver no matter what. Late in the match, Murphy's Murphy. Goes for the uh, Murphy's Law and misses Black. Then he, well, Murphy hits Murphy's Law and Black gets his foot to the rope. Alistair Black can't get up to take the second one. Murphy then goes f- for Black Mass, fails. Black then hits his own Black Mass. Murphy's shoulder then slightly went up. I don't know. That looked like a kind of a slight ref botch. Black gets hit. Black hits another one of them with uh, Murphy on his knees. End of the match. Mur- Black wins three straight matches. And then Murphy, he just sits there to strop for the next two segments. Firstly, the Rowan versus Walmart brand Alistair Black. Rowan tries to actually get the thing out of the cage and then gets bit by it. One of the more interesting developments we've seen this whole entire time with that thing. Murphy's still distraught. And then try, Charlie tries to interview him at, during this time, which I thought that was funny. Doesn't want to talk. 
But that, that still doesn't make me care about the thing in the cage. Rowan does win again. He, eats the ball. he beats the Walmart brand Alistair Black. And then we get the main event fist fight between Show, Joe, KO, AOP, and Rollins. This was kind of just chaos late in the match. Rollins asks for help from Buddy Murphy, who's still sitting ringside. Murphy low blows Big Show. They both send Show through a table. Big Show on his own gets dominated by the AOP and Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy. Rollins hits the stomp. Then John Cone, official, calls for the bell. Murphy was lost after that feud with Aleister Black. Now he has found himself as a part of the most dominant group now in WWE. Interesting thing in this match, I forgot. It was that KO ran off the Raw set, ran up it, and did a somersault, uh, somersault, well, kind of like a cannonball. That was freaking awesome. That reminded me of Bo Jackson running up the wall in Major League Baseball. Also during the show, I forgot to address this earlier on. I didn't get to see this until uh, afterward, which was the Becky Lynch Oscar contract signing. I thought this was pretty good, and it's selling Oscar as a big, big threat coming into it. But Os- Becky sells the Green Mist fantastically. And then Becky cuts a poma- promo. After that, says awards and acclaim are poison for someone like herself. Asuka's hungry and angry, and Becky, while Becky's content. Most dangerous woman she has faced, Becky says. When she puts her someone's when someone puts her hands, what's someone bleh, when someone puts hands on her, a badness rises. If she's going down, she's going down swinging, and she's taking Asuka with her. This is gonna be a heck of a match at Royal Rumble. They are selling the heck out of this one. I'm ready for it. I'm excited for it. I hope they really deliver. But that's going to recap Raw. It wasn't a bad episode. wasn't as good as last week. It was still a good episode of Raw, though. AEW Dynamite. That happened on Wednesday. Fatal 4-Way Tag to kick it off. Young Bucks versus Proud and Powerful versus Best Friends. Versus Adam Page and Kenny Omega. Winner becomes the number one contender for the World Tag Team Championships. At least Jared made a good point early in the match. Saying this, there's no DQ. So this explains why no legal competitors are allowed to stay in the ring for so long. I, I get confused during these matches sometimes. That's the one nitpicky thing I get. Is when in these some of these AEW Tag Team matches, I don't even know who's legal at a certain point. I'd like to keep be able to keep track of who's legal, but there was one point. But back to the match, there was one point where eight men were trying to suplex one another, and the ref was distracted. So Orange Cassidy comes in and helps him out. I thought that was funny. Big assist. I'd never seen that kind of suplex spot ever. Late in the match, it's best friends. They almost win with strong zero. Hangman Page tags himself in. Kenny Omega hits a V trigger on. Uh, Chuck Taylor, and then they hit the the V trigger buckshot lariat combo to get the win. 
I thought this was a pretty fun and chaotic match. Just like I said, I just wish the tags were more consistent and we could actually keep track of who's illegal. But this continues the issues with the with Paige and the Elite. Paige, it's kind of they're kind of thinking he has a drinking problem because he was drinking post match. He was also post. There was a interview later on that he interrupted. But this continues the issues with Paige and the Elite. They kind of brush things off afterward. Matt's upset. But they raise each other's hands as they go into the commercial break. But it's Paige and Omega versus SCU for the World Tag Team Championships coming up. Not this week, but I think next week. Then we get Darby. Next week we're going to get Darby Allen and Pac. Well, this week, I mean, we're getting Darby Allen versus Pac and Sammy Guevara versus Moxley. Winner of each of those matches will fa- move on to face each other to be the number one contender for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. Next thing we get is the Cody segment, finally responding to MJF's stipulations. Cody accepts them all. He looks like he's straight out of Miami Vice, as this is a beach thing, bash the beach. Uh, But Cody addresses this. He says he talks about the steel cage match with Wardlow. It says Max is afraid that if Wardlow gets an opportunity that it wouldn't be Wardlow carrying MJF's bags, it will be MJF carrying Wardlow's. And he also says Cody doesn't need to touch him. He's already plastered in MJF's head and then claims MJF's stalling, accepts the second stipulation, and then he agrees to take the 10 lashes alive on Dynamite and says he's going to give MJF a scar at Revolution, like Cody received at Full Gear. But I thought this was another really good promo by Cody. He delivers on the mic every single time he touches one. We had Joey Janela backstage talking about getting punched in the balls by Penelope. The only way she he thinks that's the only way she can create buzz for herself is when she's with Joey. Joey asks Kip if he wants to play, and then Joey Janela pretty much says he talks like he's got something to prove, and well, he's got something to prove when he faces off against Ray Phoenix next week, which should be interesting. He kind of had a horrible, he kind of didn't have a very good year in AEW last year. Hopefully, this is a rebound year for the bad boy. After that, we get the Brandy. And Melanie Cruz, well, Brandy and Melanie Cruz with Luther, Luther versus Chris Statlander and Hikaru Shida as that match last week for uh, the AEW World Champ Women's World Championship was a lot of overbooking nonsense, and I don't think this match really had any heat until Statlander got in with Brandy. Falcon Arrow pinfall attempts gets broken up by Mel multiple times. Statlander got close to a pin. Statlander goes for the Big Bang Theory, gets reversed. Then Statlander reversed that into her own Big Bang Theory for the win. And like I said, it wasn't a good. It wasn't good, but the right team got the win. Austin Kong was actually supposed to be in this match, but she was sick and was not able to compete this week. Then we get a Dark Order thing immediately after that, include as they're trying to talk about possible recruits, including Brandon Cutler. Michael Nakazawa and Hangman adding Adam Page. Thought that was a little interesting. Fairly interesting. Adam Page was even thrown in there. 
Sammy Guevara versus John Moxley followed that. Moxley shows up, not giving two craps. Moxley shows up in his Ford GT that he took from Jericho. He took the keys from him last week. And I like how Sammy was trying to avenge his friend in Jericho. Moxley at one time hit an old school Dirty D, which is the Bulldog kind of face buster. I thought that was pretty dang cool. And I really like how they've been treating Sammy Guevara recently. He kind of was an afterthought at the end of last year, but he's really got an opportunity to showcase and have really good matches. He's been getting some wins also. And... He lost this one to Moxley, but he did look pretty good. There's no shame in losing to Moxley, who's the number one guy right now. Guevara late hits a GTS-like move and then goes up top for a moonsault, but he gets caught into a rear naked choke. Immediate tap out by Sammy Guevara. Moxley wins. But Jericho comes out afterward, and all four, well, the light, Jericho's music hits, lights go out. All four, all members of Inner Circle are there. They beat down Moxley, and then afterward, it's then Jericho gets a spike off his jacket, stabs Moxley in the eye, and Moxley is really distraught, and he's really, really hurt. And might we're not sure if he even will make it to next week. Jericho then cuts their promo, cuts a promo backstage, says their actions were all Moxley's fault. His reckless abandon got him in trouble. And then he talks trash to Jurassic Express. Who, that's who they're going to face next week on the Jericho Cruise. On next episode of Dynamite. And tells Sammy Guevara tells uh, Jen Decker to hit him up. It was also beforehand for uh, the Moxley match. Sammy Guevara was trying to get Vanessa Hudgens to hit him up. I respect that. I love his cue cards thing. I've really enjoyed that part of Sammy Guevara. We got, we're getting to see a lot of his personality, and he's been really fun to watch. He's been a very bright spot in AEW. We get the Butcher, the Blade, and MJF versus QT Marshall, Dustin Rhodes, and DDP, who is 63 years old heading into this match. And MJF comes out sporting a I-banged Dallas's daughter tank top. Total heel move. I love it. At one time, MJF went for a handshake in this match, and QT Marshall just flips him the bird. MJF cold cocks him at one time and hits him with the ring. Actually hits Dustin with the ring. Allie then slaps Dustin. Wardlow clotheslines him. MJF's team, for the most part, controls this match for a while. But DDP would get a hot tag. Hits a diamond cutter on Butcher. MJF then low blows and blind tag to Dustin. Dustin hits a destroyer. Followed by a diamond cutter that gets broken up on the pinfall. Dustin then hits a cannonball to the outside. QT special on the outside by QT Marshall. And I, this was overall, like, that. this was a pretty dang fun match. MJF then rolls up QT Marshall. I thought this was a good finish. Very opportunistic move by MJF. And he just got lucky, pretty much. And he gets the roll up with the help of the trunks. But yeah, good stuff, opportunistic stuff. Right team won. MJF getting the win, keeping his momentum going as they, we get 
about a month we're about a month away from revolution and ddp he looked dang good at seven at 63 almost said 73 but 63 he looked really good we get a backstage promo we're well we were supposed to get a backstage promo from scu but page shows up comes backstage drunk interrupting the interview not very happy or christopher daniels and company and they're having omega tries to like clean it up well fix it and says we're having a gentleman's contest next week for the aew world tag team championships the main event it's darby allen versus pack winner of that one will face moxley next week to determine the number one contender for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. At one time, Pac powerbombs Allen onto steps. Really, the story here is Allen delivering, not Allen delivering punishment, but Pac delivering punishment on Allen and Allen's willingness to fight from underneath and just not give up and keep fighting. He he is so good in this role as a kind of an underdog baby face. He's done a really good job here. Pack and Allen late. We're fighting on top. Pack pushes Allen off and hits the black arrow on Allen to get the win and move on to face Moxley next week. And I think that should be really fun. But then we get a good match out of that. Good main event for AEW Dynamite. We get Shivani with Pack post match. Says he needs to introduce him as the number one contender because Mox ain't going to make it to next week. And he might as well claim it as a forfeit. We cut to the ambulance, backstage with Moxley. Moxley leaves the ambulance, walks towards the ring with an eye patch, what kind of like his eye bandaged up. And Moxley says, it ain't going to go down like that. And he'll be there to kick his ass next week and believes that shot is his. And then he doesn't care if he's ha- if he's half dead, he's going to be there to fight next week on the Jericho Cruise. Jericho versus Pac, not Jericho, Moxley versus Pac to determine the number one contender for the AEW World Championship next week on Dynamite. That should be super good. But I thought this was a pretty darn, overall, this is a pretty darn good episode of Dynamite. Really enjoyed it. Other than the Statlander tag match, it was a very, very good episode. A big upgrade from last week's episode of Dynamite, which was kind of disappointing. And it was at the bottom of my rankings last week. Then we get NWA Power. It's a recap of events last week between Morton and Aldis, and then the six-man tag that was announced for this week's show. We find out one of the team members of Aldis's team is Scott Steiner, the big bad booty daddy. Let me show Aldis invading Ring of Honor. Dave, we open up with Dave Marquez with Rock and Roll Express. Ricky Morton says, sometimes you strike a match and you can't put the flame out. And, they, and they're talking about how they always put the fans number one. And they don't understand the newer generation because they paved the way for the guys to get the money they're getting paid today. And Morton's saying he's a working, la- working class man just like every one of these fans. And that they're the only thing that matter. And Ricky says that's that world championship match, it's going to happen. He's going to get his shot. And then Gibson says, well, Marquez tries to get the names of their team members out of them. And Gibson just says he wants to keep the other guys guessing. 
wants to keep uh, strictly business guessing on who they'll have on their team. Then we get a TV title bracket reveal. Tim Storm, Tim Storm versus the winner of Dawson and Dawson. Ricky Starks versus an open slot. There's two open slots for two non-roster members to get in the tournament. This will all happen at hard times on January 24th. Then we get Block B announced, which is Zicky Dice versus one other open slot. Then we get Question Mark versus the winner of Trevor Murdoch and Thomas Latimer. That's going to take place next week. We get, then we get a promo with Marquez. We'll get an interview with Marquez talking to Dice and Ricky Starks. Starks called Dice a broke-ass Guy Fieri, which is so funny because it looks pretty dang true. And he also makes a your mom joke. Ricky Starks, very charismatic here. Dice tells Starks he has done nothing. He went, but Starks answers him with, I went toe-to-toe with the world's champion, took him to his limits. And he's going to say, he says, closes out with, I'm coming to eat and Stroke Daddy is hungry. And then Zicky Dice retorts with, he hopes he better not run into Dice because the only thing he's going to be stroking is these curly locks. Fun banter there between Zicky Dice and Ricky Starks. I have a feeling they're going to meet each other in the tournament. Maybe. (laughs) Then we get Dave Dawson versus Zane Dawson. This is kind of a big hoss match. Two big guys. Dave was working the wrist of Zane in the corner late. The wrist of Zane Dawson. And... This was mainly the focal point of this match was the wrist as it's kind of bandaged up and wrapped up. Zane would hit Dave with the cast or slash wrap while the referee was distracted. His view was obstructed. He gets the win. I didn't think this was bad, but it was nothing really that special. But I see what they were trying to do there with the Dawson Zane Dawson's cast. So he's going to get a win there, move on to the TV title tournament. And he will face off against Tim Storm at hard times. Then we get a video. Ken Anderson and Cabana talking about their issues. Anderson's getting asked if he's bitter. Cabana kind of says kind of says their lack of issues. Their issues are because it's a lack of communication between him and Anderson. And Cabana thinks this is can still be worked out and get Anderson in the right headspace. Following that, Ashley Vox versus Molina. Molina, she brutalizes Vox early. Molina really dominates this match. Vox hits some strikes for a comeback, gets hit with a roundhouse by Molina, and it seems like every time that Ashley Vox got momentum in this match, Molina had an answer for it. I thought the part of this match, portions of this match were kind of sloppy, Late, they trade strikes. Vox then tries to put her real catch submission in, but gets backed into a corner. Then Molina hits her split-legged DDT, reverse DDT, to get the win. Post-match interview with Molina. and get, She gets asked where she's going from here, and Molina says it's about time they get she gets a title match against the uh, champion in Allison K. It's like the only thing left she has to do. And she invites Kay out to let her know about her plans for next week. Kay shows up. Kay wants it now. Melina doesn't. Melina says, you didn't listen. It's next week. And Melina walks off. Interview. 
well, actually, it was, it was backstage at this after the Ring of Honor thing, and says Alda says you don't come to my town. Says this is my town. Ring of Honor was in Atlanta, Georgia, so he invaded Ring of Honor, and he's got unfinished. It says Marty Skrull's got some unfinished business with Strictly Business. He also shows up in Concord talking about showing up on his turf, so he showed up on theirs. Villain Enterprises shows up. All of a sudden talks about where he made Skrull tap out, which was the same building in Concord, North Carolina. Skrull doesn't show up. Flip Gordon kind of put his hands on him as uh, Aldous was talking on the uh, headsets at Ring of Honor. And then we pretty much get a match set up for Hard Times. It's going to be Flip Gordon versus Nick Aldous at Hard Times. I'm going to enjoy that. Flip Gordon... I haven't gotten to see any. Really, I haven't really gotten to see any of his work, but I think if he's associated with Marty, he's gonna be pretty good. And he's associated with the elite. He's gonna be doing a pretty good job. And him and Flip, well, Flip and all this, I think, should have a pretty good match coming up at Hard Times here in the next few next week. Actually, we an interview with Outlaw Inc., which is Eddie Kingston and Homicide. And Pope says he's an advisor, not a manager. And Pope wanted to get these guys an opportunity. Homicide gets asked if he's healed up. But he says he's good to go. And the team is blood. Uh, Pope says the team is blood. And the team of Storm, not Storm. The team of Drake and the team of Eli Drake and James Storm is one out of necessity. In this match, we use it was the it was Outlaw Inc. versus Aaron Stevens in the question mark. Stevens in this match is working over Homicide's injured shoulder. Stevens would cheap shot Kingston in this match. Homicide would hit a backdrop before. But before he even got the hot tag to Kingston, Kingston jumped in, tried to beat down Aaron Stevens, Mongrovian chop from on uh, Kingston, and then eventually be a Mongrovian shot spike on Homicide. So Homicide was trying to go for the Gringo Killer, but he couldn't hit it. But a Mongrovian spike gets hit, hits Homicide, and they get the win. Stevens and question mark, not bad. And Stevens, he looks like an opportunist because Mong- question mark had to hit the Mongrovian spike on both guys, and Stevens just kind of fell into the pinfall. I liked it. He picked up the scraps, did question after question question marks dirty work, and Pope post match kind of just looks at him and walks away. Then we Aldis in strictly business before the main event. Aldis says he's been warned about the backstabbers backstage in America, and he talks about Steiner. Steiner was one that went out of his way for him and he hands off the mic to him this things are about to get interesting real quick Steiner believed that the first time he laid eyes on Aldis that he was going to be a world champion and there was a history lesson how he was he has the original NWA world tag team title belt and he says he took it to new heights after Ted Turner bought it, and it turned into WCW. This was good stuff from Steiner. And you never know what he's going to say when he gets a live mic, so it was pretty funny. And then Steiner says the other team's about to get their ass kicked. 
but yeah, Scott Steiner with a live mic is just gold because you know what? You're never gonna get. You never know what he's gonna say. We have Isaacs, Latimer, and Steiner versus Gibson, and then Morton reveals his partner. Morton reveals Gibson's partners as Eli Drake and Tim Storm. Both of them have had issues with all this here recently. Strictly business dominates Drake after a distraction by Latimer, which gives Isaacs the opportunity to drop. Uh, Drake's head and neck on the top turnbuckle. Gibson Lake gets the hot tag. Almost gets a victory roll pin on Isaacs. Camille was trying to spear out, uh, Tim Storm on the outside, but runs into the sh- runs into the steps. Chaos ensues ringside. Eli Drake hits a jawbreaker with the ref distracted, and Gibson gets the roll-up pin, and it gives Morton a shot at the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship next week. And I like the way in these matches they don't overexpose the old guys because Steiner, he's like, I think he's close to 60 and Gibson is over 60. But they do a good job of working around that and working to their strengths. But it was not bad. It was an enjoyable match, enjoyable main event for NWA Power. And really an enjoyable episode of Power overall. Really good week and really good episode of NWA Power. And this is going to be the rankings for this week. It's going to be number three, Monday Night Raw. They're going to fall back. But, hey, Monday Night Raw trended up last week. They had a pretty dang good episode. They're still, they're, they're getting, it's, it's coming along. It's coming along. But Raw has a little bit of a setback this week. Then it's NWA Power at number two. Still very good show. Very consistent and then AEW Dynamite returns to the top this week after falling to number three last week. But AEW Dynamite is number one. Very, very good show, I thought. Really enjoyed it. The wrestling was good. The promo work was good. The only thing bad on that show was the Chris Chris Statlander stuff. Chris Stat, Not Chris Statlander stuff, but the match, the tag team match. I But other than that, I really enjoyed everything on this show. Guevara and Moxley delivered. Pac and... Uh, Allen delivered. Very good show overall from AEW Dynamite. A great rebound episode of Dynamite for this week. But yeah, my final rankings for this week. One, AEW Dynamite. Two, NWA Power. And three, Monday Night Raw. Before I go, make sure to follow me on the socials, Facebook and Twitter at SigDaddyWrestle. And if you haven't already, tell a friend. Make sure to subscribe to my podcast on Spotify, Podbean, and on Apple Podcast. Another episode of the Weekend Review, that's coming to you next Friday. But until next time, this is Sig Daddy signing off, thanking you all for listening, and so long, everybody.